Shanti. And it's Antoinette. And you are listening to Around, Around the, the Way, Way Curls. We are two Philly bred best friends who strive to produce content that is authentic, unapologetic, and exalting of the magic we see in ourselves and in you. Join us as we oscillate between love and light and money and dicks because, because duality, duality is a thing. All right, everybody, and we are back. So we. Shanti is rubbing off on me. She is helping me prioritize rest. And I actually feel this in my body and in my bones as well, that we need to take a week where we do not record, where we have some time to just explore, to live, to be. And so that's what we're going to do. So please um, check back with us next week. We will be back. But in the meantime, I know that there's a lot of new listeners And so we are going to play some of our favorite episodes and fan favorite episodes this week, but just putting this at the top so everybody knows that we will be back fresh very, very soon. Chanti, do you have anything? No. (laughs) (laughs) She's already on break. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well... (laughs) Oh my god! I can't control that. I was trying to fix something fast, but it just came out. I couldn't stop myself. No, <laughs> y'all. Oh man! I swear to God, I love you so much. There's nobody else that I would want to do this with besides you. So, all right. Well, with that, please enjoy this throwback episode. And yeah, don't go anywhere. We are just taking a brief break, and we will be back. Bye. Bye. And we are back. So, everyone, as promised, we are going to get into this book. So we are joined by Candice Marie Benbow again. She is a theologian. Wait, how do you say that? Theologian. Theologian. I thought I said that wrong. Mm -hmm. Theologian and essayist. Um, whose work lies at the intersections of beauty and faith and feminism and culture. Candace has a new book titled Red Lip Theology for church girls who have considered tithing to the beauty supply store when Sunday morning isn't enough. And I would just want to read this in the sleeve because this is what got me going. Blurring the boundary between righteousness and irreverent, Red Lip Theology invites us to discover freedom in a progressive Christian in, in a progressive Christian faith that incorporates activism, feminism, and radical authenticity. Theologian Candace Marie Benbow's essays explore universal themes like heartache, loss, forgiveness, and sexuality, and she unflinchingly empowers women who struggle to feel loved and nurtured by the church culture. So that got me going because... <laughs> I have to mm-hmm. say that um, my my background with the church, I grew up Catholic, mm-hmm. <laughs> full of Catholic guilt. And very early on, I was like, this is not for me. 
I'm I was the kid asking the hard questions. Mm-hmm. I was the kid that was had a white and black dad, or excuse me, a white mom and a black father at an all Catholic white church where they peace be with you and they wouldn't even shake his hand. I noticed those mm-hmm. things. I was the kid that had um, an aunt that was definitely uh, queer. And I was like, well, she loves God. This doesn't, mm-hmm. she's not a bad person. I had a best friend at the time who was an Indian girl. She was Hindu. And I was like, she's not going to hell. She's amazing. And I just questioned a lot of things like, why can't Mar- Mary was married? Why couldn't she have sex with her husband and have Jesus? What's the mm-hmm. problem? And they were like, go in the corner. So... <laughs> And then I was really confused because I'll never forget being in um, being in my confession. I was able to get confession, do confession or whatever. And I'm telling the priest all of my horrible sins of like, I think I took a dollar from my mom's wallet, something ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And he's listening and he's kind of looking at me. I'm like, why won't you fucking look at me? Like, this is dumb. And I remember being little and thinking like, this is weird. And... He just told me how many Hail Marys and our fathers to say and sent me on out. And then I remember riding home and my mom being like, can you believe that? Look at his Benz, look at his this, whatever he was driving. He's a wealthy guy. And he was apparently having an affair with someone in the church. And everybody knew it, but they just acted like he wasn't. And I was like, okay, this place feels weird to me. I don't feel good here. Right. I don't feel seen here and I feel judged here. So I say all that to say that my faith in God is strong. It could definitely be stronger because I never Mm -hmm. I've never felt rooted into something, Mm -hmm. into like a reading, into a passage, into something that I'm like, I just know I believe in God. I believe in goodness. Mm -hmm. I believe in ancestors. You know, Mm -hmm. like there are things that I can pull from different stories that I'm like, yes, yes, yes. Okay. I, I get the message here. Right. Right. And I've always felt really judged by my friends who are very rooted in Christianity um, and, in, and in Jesus Christ being our Lord and Savior. Um, and I, I'm not against that. I just would say, like, it's the religion aspect. It's the church aspect, the cult aspect mm-hmm. that doesn't feel right to me. Mm-hmm. And so when I opened this and started reading it, I was like, oh, my God, I'm in love. So I'm so excited to have this conversation. I am too. I'm really excited. But I wanted to give you that background because I was like, Mm -hmm. okay, this is, I feels like something that I've really been waiting for. But I want to first start with how did you start writing? Ooh, um, so this book took many, many iterations, um, what I knew was that I wanted to write something that was deeply theological, that took the concepts that I had been discussing and learning and that I had learned in, in seminary um, and really take them and flesh them out to have conversations about faith and theology that Black women could identify in ways that Black women could identify with. So um, it took a lot of different iterations to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, at one point, I I played with um, the Nicene Creed 
um, that most people that is said in most um, in most uh, Christian spaces. I believe in God, the Father, Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. Blah 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 blah. Descended out of that, and I was going to take each section and um, blow it out theologically, and I was just like. Okay, most black most sisters ain't don't know the Nicene Creed. I have remembered it in school, um, but we know makeup. And when I had a conversation with my editor, she was like, "What saved you? Like, like let's talk about how you got to real theology." And you know, I shared with her my best friend coming and telling me you don't look good. You don't look like yourself. Like put, like try, put yourself back together. And she was like, let's write from there. Um, I, I told her, I was like, you know, I have a, a, um, my skincare and my makeup routine are rituals for me. And she was like, all right, write it out, write out what they mean. And then that's really how we started writing. That's really how it started writing. I started writing. Um, my my birthday was December the is December the eleventh. So I met with my um, my proposal went on the market November of twenty nineteen. I met with uh, publishers in December. I met with the publisher that I really really wanted the day after my birthday. And then a week later, um, they offered me the deal. So um, I really started writing throughout the pandemic. I wrote, Mm. um, I started unofficially writing January of 2020. Um, Oh, wow. Yeah. And then I This was a fast turnaround then. Very. Yeah. Um, And it took me... Yeah, I turned in I turned in my draft January of twenty twenty one. And then for about four or five months we went back and we did edits. Um and it was officially done like summer. Yes, because each each um essay chapter is married to one of your I, I love that, one of your skin mm-hmm. skincare steps. It's like primer. Then you have the foundation and then you have the brows and the eyeshadow. And you mm-hmm. talked about, and you make it make sense where you're like, the, you know, God made me black. That's the brows, eyeshadow, liner, and lashes. And you say, if eyes were the windows of our souls, then our eye makeup is some of the really dope blinds and curtains. Like you tie it in in a way where like, I, I it's just so beautifully woven together. And I'm a makeup freak. So mm-hmm. I just loved reading it in that way too. It just felt... Yeah. Um, more accessible for some reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when we get to, so knowing, so knowing you, you grew up in North Carolina, right? Mm-hmm. In, in North Carolina. Yes. And a good church girl, right? So mm-hmm. can you explain to me what that, what that means? What does it mean that when you say you grew up a good church girl? What does that look like? So I was in church three days a week, um, went to Sunday, went to Sunday school, went to Saturday service, um, did a Bible study on Wednesday, um, had, and was there on Saturday for whatever rehearsal my mama or I had, um, or whatever meeting her or my grandmother had, 
Um, I was in every <laughs> youth organization that you could think of. Um, I was somebody who I did not have sex um, until I got to college. Um, one, because my mama told me that kissing led to babies and um, <laughs> I did not want a baby. <laughs> um, but we were taught that like you are special um, and set apart if you were going to church. You were doing the right things, right? That like all everybody else was running the streets. I mean, now mind you, we're kids, right? Um, but we were the fact that we were in church all the time. We could recite scriptures and had Easter speeches and all of these things. The fact that that we were doing these good things made us somehow good and better than everyone else, all of our classmates and contemporaries. And I lived into that um, because I believed it. Mm-hmm. Um, what is true is that I started to see kinks in the armor and cracks in the armor when I got to college. Um, college? Yeah, I think I think What denomination? Missionary Baptist. So, and you know, Baptists do whatever they want to do. So, um, <laughs> that, that was, 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 and remains, um, the, one of the, one of the bigger sticking points for me was to reckon with the hypocrisy of the church. Um, but when I got to college, I began to ask a lot of different questions. Um, I began to, well, not ask different questions because I was asking them as a kid, um, but I began to have the freedom to explore the answers um, in a way that really made me be like, I'm not as vested in this whole idea of this like good girl image. So <laughs> I don't think I wrote it in the book, but I might have. But there was this one guy. In college, I'll never forget. I'm, I'm just timid. We're in his room. Um, I knew what I wanted, but I also was just like, oh my god, is he gonna tell like you know everybody when we leave? And I will, and I, I will remember for the rest of my life what he said. He was like, it's just you and me in here. To the rest of the world, you still a good girl. And I remember I was like, all right, let's go. <laughs> and, and then when I thought more about it, I was like, why am I so vested in this idea that I have to be good? Like, what the hell is that? You know? Um, so that really became a space where I got to ask and explore questions. And I really was just, I wanted to do away with this notion somehow that my faith and my righteousness were tied to all the things I didn't do. Mm. Um, And I really Mm. got there. I really got there and I really started to get there in college. So can, before we go on to your, the shift in college, can you talk about your mom your mom's influence on yeah. you in the church, but also your mother being pregnant with you. Yeah. And so, that story around her. Yeah. I, I was blown away when. Yeah. When so, so I grew up in a context where if you were um, in our churches, 
if you were pregnant and I married, the custom was that the mother stood before the congregation mm. to publicly apologize and repent for being pregnant. Mm. Um, the man was never... And, and then you were set down. So if you were active and if you were active on the choir, you couldn't be on the choir for for the for the duration of your pregnancy. Um, you may or may not be able to get back on there, depending on how much time elapses from the time you want to sing to the time you had the baby. Um, and so, and you know, the man, the father, could be in the congregation. He's never going to be asked to stand up. Um, and and apologize because he is not a daily reminder of that quote-unquote sin. Um, and there was an expectation that my mom um, would, would publicly repent and apologize, and it just was not something that she wanted to do um, because she said that she could not she could not say that I was a mistake and mm. that if she ra- if she said it, then she was raising me to believe that I was. Mm. And um, so my mom, you know, went through this period of feeling really isolated, one, from the church, and then two, from her family, because there's also this expectation. She was the first one to graduate college, She was in church. So there's also this great white hope, you know, um, narrative that gets attached to her. And she had others, uh, her other two daughters, mm-hmm. I mean, two sisters had children and they weren't married. And there was kind of like expectation that she would not do the same. And um, and she did. And it was a, she she talked to me about how rocky that felt. She talked to me about how isolating it was. Um, I've gotten some letters that she wrote my uncle while she was pregnant with me and he was away in the service that detail how how sad and alone, you know, she felt. But she made the decision that she wasn't going to and your dad was gonna stand up and she wasn't gonna do that. A member of the church. Mm -hmm. He was a member of the church. They sang on the same choir. Um, that's how they met. And um, and she went to a service. I'm not sure how many days or whatever after she decided that she would not um, do what was expected of her. But she went to this church called Mercy Seat. And she was crying. And she just asked God to give her something that would that would give her hope to hold on. And that was she said that was the first time she ever felt me kick inside of her. And she took that as, yeah, like as long as, as I stay with God and I teach you to stay with God, we'll be okay. Um and so my mom raised me, she raised me in church. I tell people she raised me at this vortex of faith and feminism. One, because she was a single mom. So she and a single black woman, um, it won and mattered for her to have the agency, agency she did around her body and around protecting her child. Um, 
And and she taught me, you know, that I deserve that same dignity and respect as a girl and as a young woman and now as an adult woman. So she raised me with that. But she also raised me in church. And like there were certain things and certain behaviors that she did not want me to engage in. Um, there were certain things that she so did, she, you know, did not believe that a modest or yeah. chaste girl. Absolutely. Um, and as I got older, you know, our I remember I told my mom I had sex and I was in college. And she said, well, I thought you were going to wait until you got married. I said, we never had no conversation about me waiting. So like, I'm, like, you know, like it was that kind of like, how could you? How dare you? Like my mom. Um, but. And I talk about this in the book. My mom also found ways to give me room to be myself um, and to come into my own. And I think it was because she was because she could trust that she had not. I wasn't completely abandoning faith. You know, I had questions. I and and she had to trust that she had done the work that would lead me um, to stand on my own two feet. Um, and so and I'll say this at end, I did not set out to, I didn't set out to write about my mom. But what was so interesting was that I couldn't not write about her. And I remember going back to my editor and my agent nervous because I was like, I'm writing this, but I'm also writing about my mom. And then I had, and then it was my my um, editor who told me, she said, it makes sense because mm-hmm. your mom is the one who brought you to faith. And I was like, yeah. Like, so so I had to lean into um, that relic theology just wasn't my story, but it was a story that I share with her and she's so integral to it. And yeah, I'm just really proud of, like, I, I I read it back and was listening to it the other day. And I was like, I really hope that people take away from it how much we both loved each other um, and how and how much um, that relationship can be a difficult one to navigate. You yeah. know, black, uh, mothers <laughs> and daughters. Um, Shanti, I'm going to let you jump in in a sec. I just have one more, a uh, couple more. Um, no, go ahead. In your book, you write that there were events that would forever revolutionize how you understood religion's role in the oppression of black women and religious institutions' complicity in it. Mm-hmm. That, those two for me were the death of Whitney Houston uh-huh. and, um, and the death of uh, Rakia Boyd. Um, one, the, Whitney Houston was the ultimate church girl to me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, born and raised in the church, she mm-hmm. publicly presented um, everything that we are taught to be until she didn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and and so much of her struggles, I genuinely, genuinely believe, are a result of trying so hard to live up to the um, so hard to live up to the weight of um, the expectations that the church and other religious identified people put up, put on us. Um, And 
Additionally, there is the larger reality that I felt like I felt hopeless when she died. I felt Mm -hmm. like, who are we ever going to escape this? You know, like if if you have been being, what did you mean? If you if you have grown up in the church and spent years in the church, are you ever going to escape its hold on you? Mm. Um, mm. I remember I remember questioning that and feeling like that. And then I um, so the day after her funeral was when I wrote my letter to um, I started drafting my um, application uh, essay for for my MDiv. Um, and then Rakia Boyd, when Rakia Boyd died, it was right around the time that black black pastors had done this hoodie, hoodie Sunday, Sunday moment for um, in 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 honor of Trayvon Martin and to bring awareness to the fact that he had been murdered and Sanford police were not at all invested in bringing his killer to justice. Um, but they did not mention at all Rakia's name in that moment. Um, and many of them, when we when we pressed them on social media, they were like, oh, we're leaving a bad to our women's ministries. And it led this, this it, 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 it created the conclusion that the plight of Black boys and men is a national, it requires national attention. And whatever happens to black girls and women is just a personal problem with, that black women need to address. Mm. And I I could not be the same after either, either one of those instances um, and had to really sit with, okay, what does it mean to hold the church accountable? Mm-hmm. What does it mean to fight to make faith more freeing for black girls and black women? And that really was the moment for me that I was like, all right, this is this really is the work that's been placed in my hands. So this is when you realize, okay, all of these, the questions that I felt bubbling in Mm -hmm. me, this is when you're like, I'm going to honor them and I'm going to ask them because now I see that there are flaws here. While Mm -hmm. I still love the church, I'm still deeply rooted in my faith. I see that there's room for growth, so I'm going to ask these uncomfortable questions. Can you tell us yeah. what some of those questions, what was coming up for you that you were suppressing, like all of um, those years? I, I, I really wrestle with this idea that we are wretched and sinful creatures that are only redeemed once we come to Christ. Mm. Um, that just, when, when I look at the work of creation, Mm. um, that ain't what I get, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? And so, and the, the truth of the matter is this idea or this ideology that we are not good until Christ makes us good really is at the root of so much shame. It's at the root of so much guilt. It's at the root of so much that we harbored, that I felt like I need to get that piece right first. And then if I can get that piece right, I can give myself a little bit more grace when I make some faulty decisions, when Mm -hmm. I do some things that are contrary to who 
who I know myself to be, I don't have to, I don't have to swim and shame the, you know, oh my God, you know better. How could you have done that? That's so many of us do. Um, questions around intimacy and holiness um, were, were huge for me. Um, I really wrestled with this idea of heaven and hell. Um, mm-hmm. One, because I knew too many people who, who were fundamentally good people that either A, were, did not identify as Christian, or B, were not active church members, thus were not visibly holy and good in the same way that people would suggest. And I, did, I didn't see how a loving God could condemn these people to hell, like to this like fire and brimstone, yeah. eternal like mm. damnation. Damn, I could not see that, and so mm. those were those those were chief among a lot of the questions that I had. And when I went to seminary, I learned. You know, I spent time learning about theology. I spent time sitting with various um, schools of thought. And just really was like, all right, like, these are not questions. Unfortunately, people believe this, but these are not questions that, or these are not concepts that are universal, that were always universally accepted. Like, there were, there were, I mean, Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, thought that he was going to be alive when Jesus came back. Like, most of the early church literally thought Jesus was going to come back the next weekend. Like, it was not... The fact that, like, you know, we are 2,000 years um, <laughs> since he ascended, like, niggas was really thinking he was going to be back, you know, start a business we'll Monday. Like, week, it was, like, that was like, that's in early 2020. Like, this shit going right? to be over, like, two weeks. Like, <laughs> let's just get this food. We're going to be good. Like, <laughs> literally. They was like, oh, two weeks, it'll be fine. Like, and now here we are, right? And so those kinds of conversations... Um, the the back and forth reading, you know, council dialogues from fourth, third and fourth century where they like arguing down and then saying like, oh, you're a heretic, stone him, you know, because they didn't win the argument. Um, it lets you know that like these were not concepts that everyone agreed upon. Mm. And that gave me even more permission to say like, I don't have to think like, what I what I saw in church, especially when it's not authentic to me. Like I had to learn how to trust the sound of my own familiar. I had to learn how to trust God talking to me mm-hmm. and me talking to God and what an authentic relationship between the two of us looked like. And without that, like I didn't know what else to like I, I couldn't do anything else so so those questions were really what were what kind of what was driving a lot of the study and then moving me into a place of like personal theological development welding instructor alex declare knows firsthand how vr training platforms like forge fx can help meet the demand for skilled workers Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. 
The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Shanti, do you have anything or should I keep going? Yeah, that's beautiful. I often think um, I didn't grow up Christian at all. My dad actually was like practicing Eastern religions. So it was just so, I just didn't grow up with it at all. But my best friend was apostolic Christian. And I, I definitely watched her conflict and trying to figure out you know how to be a good church girl and follow having this close relationship with her grandmother and so much of their relationship and what was passed down to her from her grandmother was rooted around going to church so mm-hmm. I definitely remember watching her trying to be a good girl but also it. like 13 14 about to run these streets and hot in the pants and fucking the the boy the drummer boy and like right. all the drama yeah. that <laughs> all the drama all that the came drama. with that Mm -hmm. Um, I guess something that I think confuses me or always confuse me is the black and white that so many Christians kind of live in. Like it's Mm -hmm. very polarized. It's like if you're either doing this or you're doing that. And I was watching your interview with um, Kevin on stage Mm -hmm. and I could see his, him just not able to open up to these concepts, especially around queer folks, right? Mm -hmm. And like it came to me, or in my mind, it's like these great lessons of humanity, these great spiritual ideas around surrender, around grace, around Mm -hmm. love Mm -hmm. are activated when you don't understand somebody else, right? When it's hard, when you're uncomfortable with seeing somebody else's way of existence. That's where the like the spiritual stuff becomes mm-hmm. really, really potent. And it always confuses me when people, niggas are like, no, he's going to hell. And it's like you, they completely cut off this opportunity to, to dive yeah. in. Yeah. And I just wanted to talk, I wanted you to talk a little bit more about your, your opening up and kind of you becoming radicalized in so many ways and and how close spirituality is to political and radical liberation oh, right like spiritual liberation yeah. all of them are, are are connected like jesus was out here repping for the people the wretched mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. you know what i mean so if you could just talk yeah. about that a little bit with as focusing centering kind of like the queer community yeah. yeah so what's what's so dope about that conversation that i had with kev was that he was also he also grew up apostolic, right? And um and steeped in those kinds of um of traditions. He's much more left leaning in how he how he views um 
you know, same gender love. He, I mean, and, and not speaking for him, but, um, definitely would agree with what you're saying about humanity and care and was also like really shocked at the way that I was able to articulate it from like, Oh yeah, well, I mean, I gotta have scripture. Right. Like, because again, when you grew up in a context that was like, where is that in scripture? Mm. Like to get to a point where you're like, "Mm, like, God is still speaking and God speaks to me like mm, that or that I don't have to have a scripture that lets me know that I need to be a good human being. Right. Um, that a lot of people who want to move in that space, you know, like him and others who want to do that, don't necessarily know how to do that because, again, we've been rooted in this notion of of, of scripture. The truth is, I was grow- I grew up the same way, and I talk about it, particularly in the essay "Survived by a Special Friend," that is about um, my growth around um, same gender love and 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 queer identity, and just getting to a point through a relationship with a really good friend when he was like. You give all of these dudes that don't give you an ounce of respect <laughs> um, all of this space and room to grow and be better, and yet you can't give the same to me to mm-hmm. understand who I am and how I love. And I just, I wanted to be a better friend. Like, being a better friend made me a better Christian. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like I, like, I wanted to be a better friend. And I think that when you when you look at who when you look at who Jesus who Jesus who Jesus was on earth um when you look at how he lived his life he really taught us how to live together and be in community like caring for each other and loving each other above all was more important than anything else and to be in a space where that's not what is happening because of of who someone chooses to love, to me, I think breaks God's heart, right? Like, you know, when you look at creation, when you look at when you look at that the entire arc of the biblical narrative is about, I believe, how much God loves us. Um, and what it means to foster a world of justice and equity and care, I don't think that you can really be fully committed to who God is and desiring to be that on earth and marginalizing and maligning people simply because of who they love, right? Like, Mm -hmm. um, especially when you recognize the profound lack of love that is in this world. And like, we live in a world that is full of hate and somebody found somebody that they want to, or somebody's mm. <laughs> that they want to journey through this life with. And you going to tell me that I have to condemn them when they found love and hope. Like, like I have got, I honestly have gotten to the point that, I I am committed to believing that if I'm wrong about that, then when I get to glory, God will tell me I'm wrong, but I will still be counted right because at the end of the day, I did it because I wanted people to be free. 
And mm-hmm. I stood and I made that decision because I wanted people to know love. And I believe that people should should be cared for intentionally. And, you know, I am... I, I hope that more people get there of those of us who who were born and raised in the church. I hope more of us get there because it really is it it really is unnecessary mm-hmm. the way that we have um decided <laughs> that this is a heel that we one need to die on. Um when two we don't we don't know much about human sexuality, period. Like, it's billions of species in the world, and you're gonna tell me that there's only t- that there's only one way to express sexuality. Everything else is everything else is a sin. Like, tilapia didn't even exist in in Genesis, and yet niggas keep eating it. So, like, I mean, <laughs> I'm just like. Like tilapia and the catfish then, yes. You know what I'm saying? So so I really hope that we move beyond it in ways that we need to. I um I I I often feel like uh that scripture is weaponized. Mm-hmm. I often mm-hmm. feel like um there there is definitely violence against LGBTQIA community and women in the yeah. church and something that I actually posted was this this like slap this was a this just was like wow you're saying the things with the vocabulary I wish I had but you wrote you wrote um so much of western christianity is rooted in the subjugation of women and I have the, and I have been reared in a faith tradition which largely existed to give black men the status and power white people refuse them in larger society. Mm. And baby, mm. when I, because I, <laughs> my mind was just like, thank you. And I, and I, and, and honestly, Candace, it is not lost on me how brave you are mm-hmm. for writing this thank book. You. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Because I can't imagine how ostracized. I can't mm. imagine what kind of phone calls, letters, online hate. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine what kind of scriptures were weaponized and thrown your way. Oof. All in the name of God. Mm. Mm. And, mm. and you, I'm sure your lived experience is an, another example of how you had the nerve the audacity to question anything as a woman and, and spoke up in the name of God in Mm -hmm. saying, Hey, we exist. Hey, there are people out here who are beyond godly, who don't subscribe to all of these rules, but guess what? The world is changing. The world is bigger. We have more vocabulary. We have lived experience. And here I am. And I want to welcome you into this world. Mm -hmm. And it's really, it's really, it's, uh, I said, I wrote, I I tagged you in that and said, you're doing God's work. And I, I was not, I was not using, I wasn't just saying how, oh, God's work, girl. No, I really mean that this is the actual work of God. Mm There's so many women and, and, Women in my life, women in your life, Shanti, who we know, who like, mm-hmm. it's the hotels women. 
It's the women that love and God. Men. To, and, and men. men. They and, need to be and alive. They, and them. And all of the folks. It's all the people. I'm obviously yeah. speaking from my perspective. Apologies. I'm not trying to only center women. Mm. Um, all of the folks who feel like, do I, do I belong with God? Can I really mm-hmm. walk with God? Mm-hmm. And this book is just really powerful. And it's really ignited something in me. Mm-hmm. Where I'm like, wow, I said this year I need to get stronger. I need mm-hmm. to get more deeply rooted in faith. And I don't mm-hmm. think it's an accident that you randomly DM me like, hey, can I send you a copy of my book? Mm-hmm. I, I'm just like, wow, I can't wait to sit with this. But I, I want you, for all the listeners and folks, what is red lip theology? What is it? Oh, you had me answering questions while you got me crying. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, because I, I appreciate I appreciate this work yeah. and I, I really appreciate I, I can only thank imagine you. on a macro thank level you. Thank you, you thank you thank you writing this and taking this stand and, and, and it's it's just so brave. Thank you. Of course. Thank you. Um, um whew, uh rather theology for me, is the lens uh, through which I see the world um, and see God and my place in it and God's place in it as a Black millennial woman of faith. Um, I say I was reared, I was raised in church just as much as I was uh, raised in hip-hop culture. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And as a millennial, there were certain, you know, brash, unapologetic um, sass that came along with with millennial um, identity that I did not feel like I had to abandon in my relationship with God, that um, I didn't have to choose between my ratchetness and my righteousness. But like, you know, God made me. Um, God knew what God was doing when God made me. Um, And God knows there's some days where I can be on one. And I mean, literally the prayer when I wake up is like, okay, so God, I was on like 12 yesterday. Can you like help me stay at a five so that we can like, you know, and I know that there are times when I'm, when I go and I pray and God is like, here this girl go again with, with something. Um, But I also know that when I walked literally through the valley of the shadow of death, God held my hand. Mm-hmm. And um, when when faith for me had to become my own because my mama was gone, mm-hmm. um, that God gave me room to come back to God and come back to myself. And so relative theology is that story. Um, it is what it means to ask and answer to to ask the questions and open and avail yourself to the journey mm-hmm. um it's what it means to believe that there's better and that there's hope and that there is life after the darkness um and i I wanna I wanted to share that because I know it to be true. Um 
I had a, I had, my mama died November 14th, 2015. And in the span of three years after that, every evil that could have happened to me happened to me. And I was living my worst nightmare because my mother was dead and my, and it was an unexpected death. She died of an asthma attack and she was in a home alone. And I was, I was mad at God, <laughs> you know? Um, I, and I, and I was disillusioned. Um, and then when all of these other things are, a terrible breakup, sexual assault, dealing with racism in my doctoral program, a hospitalization. All of these things happened. I literally was left with one belief. And that was that, like, I believed that God held my hand in the darkness. And I had to rebuild a faith that was my own. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Red Lip Theology tells that story. But more than that, I hope that Red Lip, I hope that when sisters, when brothers, when anyone reads this, I hope that they give themselves the permission to explore faith for themselves mm-hmm. and to make it their own. Um mm-hmm. And to look at and to look at the, the totality of their life, the dumb decisions that they made, the great decisions that they made, and find ways to see God's hand in it all, and find ways to see their own triumph and resilience in it. Um, that's what relic theology for me is. It is the ability to 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 find God in you and find you and God and you and yourself and, uh, and come alive um, despite what everyone else says. Come alive on your terms, mm. knowing that God meets you there and it's, and it's holy. Yeah. Candice. Ashe. Ashe. <laughs> where, 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 how? How can people, where can people keep up with you, follow you, contact you, love up on you, get this book? Please, yeah. please share. So, so the book officially came out January 18th. It's wherever you get books. Oh, oh God. <laughs> Y'all have made me cry. Y'all, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm going to log off. I'm going to cry some you more. You better get One, that bad girl. Cry, girl. Listen to Samira and cry. I'm, I'm actually going to tell you, you did not know this, but today I had a really terrible day because someone that I deeply respected, um, like deeply attacked the book and my credibility Mm. to do it. And like, um, it was one of those moments where like all of my friends were like, look, like you actually gonna have to get thick skin because it's gonna happen mm-hmm. more than you want it to, um, and that's easy for people to say yeah. when it's not them, mm-hmm. but when it's you and you like, I can't, you know. Um, and I had this moment where it was just like, I just want to call my mama, and I couldn't. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so to to hear one the acknowledgement of what it does cost um, to to make 
to 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 do something like this um was was just I'm grateful um but also cuz I needed I needed this conversation um just to just I needed to just talk to talk to sisters and just laugh um and 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 be hopeful um mm-hmm. so I'm so thank you um for that but yeah but you can get the book wherever you get books um, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Candice Benbo, C-A-N-D-I-C-E-B-E-N-B-O-W. Um, that's also my website, CandiceBenbo.com. Um, I, I am the daily lifestyle um, education and health writer at The Grio, so mm-hmm. you can find my words there every day. <laughs> But mostly I'm I'm on the socials. So if you reach out to me there, you'll definitely hear from me. But um I just I am I'm about to cry again. But I I just wanted to take the moment to thank everyone who has who's gotten the book, who's read the book, who's tweeted me, who's DM'd me, who has posted about it. Um this has been the most surreal week of my life. Um, I did not expect any of this. Um, I was, I I went into January 18th terrified because mm-hmm. I just, I didn't know what to expect. I was scared. And to see what everybody has said and to, 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 to have something like this resonate with everyone, it has just been, a joy um and it is and it is a beyond an honor um and so I am thank you feel so so sufficient insufficient um it's all I got but I am deeply 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 grateful to to everybody I am deeply deeply grateful so thank you thank you thank you of course of course this you deserve fruits of your labor, honey, and it's and it's resonating. I have I I just just realized, and I don't know if you have five minutes to do this, okay. but we have a tradition here. Oh uh-huh. shit! <laughs> <laughs> I just remember we have a tradition here on the Runaway mm-hmm. Curls because I don't know you didn't hear the intro. I don't know if you understand that you are the <laughs> Duality Podcast, love and light, money and dicks, because duality is a thing. It is a thing. So we have this tradition where we have rapid fire questions. Okay, so I'm getting better at rapid fire, so let's go. (laughs) Okay, Shanti, give us the rules. All right, Candice, you Uh have three seconds to answer these questions. You cannot ask any questions about it. You cannot justify or explain. Okay. You just answer the question. Okay, I'm gonna close my eyes because I do better with my eyes closed on rapid fire. <laughs> okay, you want me to do okay. Shanti? Or you got it. I got it. Okay. All right, ready? Yes. Malcolm or Martin? Malcolm. Generational wealth or familial happiness? Familial happiness. Jay or Nas? Jay. Mac or Sephora? Sephora. Palestine or Israel? Palestine. In the light or in the dark? Ooh, in the dark. Prince or Michael? Oh, not there! (laughs) Um, Michael! Sweet or savory? Sweet. 
Marriage or long-term commitment? Marriage. Trader Joe's or Whole Foods? Whole Foods. Voodoo or brown sugar? (gasps) Oh, that is so, oh my gosh, wrong. Uh, Voodoo. Family or career? Family. A seat at the table or lemonade? Oh my god! It's watching her realize what we're asking for me. (laughs) Girl, come on, three seconds. A seat at the table. Oh my gosh! (laughs) Evolution or creationism? No, that's not right. Um,. Both? You can pass if you want to. Yeah, pass, pass, pass. Okay. Uh-uh. Y'all didn't tell me I want to pass. No, you can't. That's the only one you can pass. Late. That one was trying a little to give close. You grace. That was oh, close. That was wrong. Okay, go Mickey ahead. or Cardi? Who Jesus? That's pass. No. Oh. All right, now, girl. I can only. How many times can I pass? We were okay, only giving church. you to pass on the evolution. We ain't want more people on your ass. Okay, Cardi, Cardi, <laughs> Cardi. Internet. All right, church girl. Missionary or doggy style? Doggy. I got protection. No. Now this is another one for the church girl. Protection or pull out in prayer? I see. I want a baby now, so that's not. That's a different question. Now, well, now two so years ago, she justifying it. Uh-uh, it's okay, pull out and pray. That's it. Pull out and pray. Is it Uchi Wali or is it one mic? Uchi Wally is a love song, so it's Uchi Wally. Love Jones or Jason's lyric? Y'all are terrible. Um, Love Jones. Sir or Rumi? (laughs) Hate that question. No. Draws the line there. Oh, no. Mm -mm. (laughs) Okay. Mm. Lisa Bonet or Nia Long? Nia. Bell Hooks or Audrey Lord? <laughs> That's a hard one. <laughs> Look at her face. No. The writer, the author. How dare I cannot. I cannot. Okay. Uh, Make your man a plate or get his own. Oh, then he better get his own. <laughs> I knock if you, it. Knock if you buck or Annie up. Knock if you buck. 9-11. Inside job or terrorist attack? Inside job. Re- oh. Rihanna or Beyonce? Beyonce. I'm not. I'm trying to meet her one day. I don't, I don't, I don't want to smoke. <laughs> Biggie or Pac? Pac. Skip. Teddy Riley or Babyface? Babyface. Read the book or watch the movie? Read the book. Sundress or sweatpants? Oh, sundress. Flats or drums? Drums. Cardi B or Megan the Stallion? Meg. Wop or my neck, my back? Wop. Travel back in time or travel forward in time? Forward. Prove your point or pray for peace? Prove my point. <laughs> Insecure, Issa or Molly? Issa. Fun in your 20s or wisdom in your 30s? 
Well, since I didn't get either one, um, I'm going to do... Uh, <laughs> no, I had fun in my 20s. Um, wisdom in my 30s. Love and light or money and dicks? Love and light. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Thank you so much, Candace. Thank you, Oh, darling. God, this was so fun. Oh, good. You were an amazing guest. You have to come Thank back you. and just chop it I up will. with us. You really yeah, do. Yeah, because like so many of these things we could spend... An hour talking about. I would love to. I would love to. This was so fun. Really, like we're. I'm. I'm. I'm one of your biggest fans. I've been talking about you. I actually just talked about you today. Oh, and my homegirl Jade um, and Kia of uh, Getting Grown podcast. Uh-huh. Uh, when loudspeaker, they really want you to come on as well. They're mm-hmm. like, Kia is very much it. in the church, and Jade is very much like, nope. And they have a beautiful podcast. And I I think it'd be a really rich conversation. I Um, would love to. Yeah. yeah, Lots of followers. It'll be mutually beneficial. So I'll definitely link y'all. Yeah, please do. I would love that. Yeah. But everyone, please pick up Red Lip Theology wherever you buy your books. And make sure you follow Candice because I'm sure this is one of many... Oh. Things that we you also didn't mention us. that you created the lemonade syllabus. So yes, that's, why also, that's why I was so mad many, at y'all for asking me about. Lemonade. I know we know I knew yeah, that, but we didn't mention that. So a lot of people yes. don't even know the ways that they have encountered you in there. They, yeah. um, they absolutely you. have in there. Thank you. Ways. So y'all, so shout out to you. I hope you rest. Yeah. I hope Thank you let you. it all out. And Thank um, you. yeah, girl. So Hold yeah, on. this Thank this was y'all. a great episode. So guys, with that. We are out. Bye. Bye. You have just heard an Around the Way Curls John. Follow them on Twitter at ATW Curls and Instagram at Around the Way Curls. We out early. <laughs> Very good. Thank you.